Hello, and welcome to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Let's unpack the relationships that we encounter in our daily lives and learn about what makes them tick. And now your host for Red Rock Relationships, Dr. James B. Stein. Well, 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 that's me, and this is what I do. I can't believe I'm saying it, but we are at the halfway mark of season two of Red Rock Relationships, hashtag triple R. I am thrilled to be talking about the topic that we are talking about today. We have been, over the course of the first half of this second season, we have been talking a lot about not necessarily the people in relationships, but the people who surround relationships. We've been talking about the social network. We've been talking about platonic friendships. And now we're going to talk about one very specific type of sort of platonic and yet not so sort of platonic relationship. Um, And we will be getting back to dyadic relationships when we talk about the friend zone and joining me for a conversation on that is soon to be doctor uh lucy niece uh, another uh asu product lucy i'm so glad to have you here i am so happy to be here thanks for inviting me yeah all day and i know that this is not necessarily like the area that you're writing your dissertation on but i do know that as a good strong relational scholar you are well equipped to have this conversation so i could think of no one better um like we always do i like to open the show by allowing my guests to take some time to explain uh you know his or her background and 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 where they come from and and all that so if you could just take a couple of minutes to sort of discuss how you landed in the realm of interpersonal communication and uh, sort of what you're up to now sure um so i got my degree my like bachelor's and master's degree at cal state fullerton and then i went to asu currently at asu for phd um, in interpersonal i've made a bit of a transition into like critical interpersonal things because my research focuses a lot on non-normative like kind of like non-traditional like sexual relationships and identities Mm -hmm. so my dissertation is actually on polyamorous relationships Mm -hmm. but i've done numerous kinds of like interpersonal related research on like you know kink and consent and things like that um but it was pretty much just like interpersonal has been a interest of mine for a long time because it's really hard to like have a boring conversation about relationships because everyone has beef in their relationships so like it's always something interesting to talk about so that's pretty much kind of how i landed into into it really well i could talk about them all day and night and i you know uh, for those of you who don't know arizona is home to one of the largest um kink and poly communities in the country and so i'm sure that there are tons of data points for you to be uh accessing for your dissertation am i wrong <laughs> um i'm i'll just <laughs> i recruit from everywhere you know, Phoenix is definitely a big place. I like to look at many places. <laughs> good, good. We need that diversification. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really, it's really exciting to hear that you're getting close to doing your dissertation. Because I remember when I started, um, you know, when I started writing mine, you were sort of in the middle of coursework, and so now it's just kind of it's fun to see the circle of life. I know, right? The circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, should we talk about the circle of friend zone? Is that a good transition? I think Uh, that's a nice smooth transition to talk about the friend zone. Okay. The first question that I want to ask is probably the most basic question. There are two schools of thought on the friend zone. One, it is not real. 
And any sort of friend zone is a construction that has been crafted, usually by um, you know hetero cis males, to make themselves feel a little bit safer about being rejected. And the other school of thought I've heard most traditionally is that the friend zone is very real and it is a place where bad women put good guys who are just looking you know for love and you know my own personal beliefs i believe something entirely different from both of those but i'd like to hear you talk about uh, is the friend zone even a real place is it should we even be talking about this here today it's such a strange concept honestly because like I don't think it's really a thing when it comes to like the friend zone because that's obviously coming into a relationship with the assumptive and with the expectation for something more mm. so that you already have like, okay, I want to be with this person and I want to be with them romantically or sexually or whatever. If I don't get that, then I'm automatically in the friend zone. But then it doesn't really happen in reverse where it's like, I want to be friends with this person. Is there like a relationship zone? Like it doesn't actually like... Mm -hmm really consider it in that way um so yeah i can definitely see that school of thought when it comes to like mostly hetero people there is the argument that there can be a friend zone for women that you know oh he totally put me in a friend zone but it's not it's not known as much or it's not talked about as much because obviously like you said too where it's like you know i'm a good guy like why did she put me in a friend zone i wanted to be in a relationship with her but women cis women typically don't really like talk about that so it's it exists for some people, I guess, but I don't know. I don't really think so. <laughs> so I guess it exists as much as someone allows it to exist. Yeah. Maybe it's just like a construction that they've kind of like had for themselves. Mm -hmm. Again, with the expectations of these relationships, that uh, what other option can there be for her not wanting to be with me? Then she just put me in this hypothetical, this zone that doesn't exist. Right. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm perfect. Uh, I have been placed into a place that I don't belong in is the sort of <laughs> mentality that we see here. Now, if you know, if you ask me, I would say that like, I have no problem with saying that the friend zone is a real place. And sometimes you meet someone and you kind of instantly know you're like, okay, this is going to be someone who I engage in a platonic relationship with. Or maybe there's somebody who you thought you were going to be in a relationship. And then after time you realize, oh, I only want a friendship. And I think mm -hmm. that, that that's okay. That it's <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I guess why label it a friend zone? Why not just call it friendship? Mm. Like, you know, right. if I want, if like we try to do a thing or whatever, and you're just like, you know what, Lucy, not, totes not interested. I'm be like, cool. He didn't friend zone me. We're friends. Yes. I once had someone um, who I was seeing for a short time explain to me that we friend zoned each other. Um, mm -hmm. And I said, oh, I thought, okay, I thought that we were just going to be fr friend, friend, friends. Um, right? So. <laughs> It's very interesting to see that come full circle, but I will say that uh, kind of like we, uh, the conclusion we reached, it's it's re as real as people make it. And so I think that the main thing that we really are talking about here is unrequited love, like unreciprocated. One person is into another person and that second person just doesn't feel the same way. So yes. with that said, now that we've kind of got an idea that the friend zone itself is something maybe people tell themselves to feel a little bit better about the fact that they got rejected. Um, mm -hmm. When we talk about that kind of rejection or that unrequited love, um, I think it, we, we need to have a conversation about responsibility. If we have a relationship in which one person is, I guess, pining for another and it's not returned, where is the onus in terms of managing that relationship? Is it on the crushy or the crusher? Like whose <laughs> job is it to kind of air things out and say, hey, we need to have a discussion about the, the future of our relationship?
I'd say it. Obviously, for me being a, a equal kind of person, I would say the onus is on both. But if there are certain cues that the crush er. The crush or the person mm -hmm. who has the crush has that's like, oh, maybe they're reading these cues. Maybe they're reading these nonverbals to say, oh, maybe they're totally into me. It would kind of be on the onus of the other person to be like, nah, like, mm -hmm. I, you know, it could be read as friendly. So again, like, and that's kind of like the nature of our, like, of communication of it being kind of ambiguous in a sense. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to like clarifying the intention of the relationship and the expectations of the relationship kind of is on the other person to be like, thanks, like, but no, I'm just a friendly person or something like that. And then kind of like have the trajectory of the relationship going forward. Because um, mm. like, if it's I'm into you, but you're not into me, then it's kind of up to you to be like, all right, well, then how should we do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about um, I think about uh, our earlier episode on uncertainty. I think that there's a lot of uncertainty in these relationships. There is the person with the crush who is uncertain on if these feelings are being returned, and then maybe there's the person who's being pined for, looking at their friends, saying, "Oh, I don't know. Do they feel that way? I really hope they don't, because I don't feel that way." And uh, when there's uncertainty like that, it becomes very tough to manage. Um, and so. I don't know, I'm just gonna go off script here for, for just a moment, but I'm, right. I'm just kind of wondering, you know, is there this kind of point of no return where one person has like an amount of time to ask another person out and then like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, I do. <laughs> so like if you, if you meet someone new and you hang out with them a few times and you feel like maybe there's something there, but you wait and you wait and you wait, it's been like six months of, of this awkward friendship. Is it too late at that point or? I, I mean, from personal experience, I don't think so. From other kinds of like, you know, other kinds of experiences, there is that rhetoric that's like, oh, if I don't text him back in a week or if I don't text him back in three days, that means I'm not interested or the playing mm -hmm. hard to get kind of thing to not super show that you're interested. But then would there be that point where it's like, all right, it's been a month or it's been a week. They're totally not into me, so I guess we're friends. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's like that can change over time because obviously we have we've known these kind of like relationship sort of escalator. That's like oh these these different steps that we kind of have to meet, but that's not necessarily a linear process. You could go back because there's situations where there's people who've been friends for years like best friends maybe for years and then all of a sudden something clicks in their head that's like hey wait a minute this person's kind of hot uh maybe i might like for some reason and i've definitely had that in my own experience where i'm like i've known this person for years why am i looking at them differently now mm. so then i don't necessarily think there would be like a point of no return because and again it could also depend too on like you know how there's a different love styles like mm -hmm. pragma and um, the other ones. So there's <laughs> and the <Jorge>. other ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, pragma, eros, mania, yeah. ludos, but whatever. Um, so there's storge, which is friendship love. That's like in order for you to build a relationship with somebody, you have to that you have to first establish a friendship with mm -hmm. them. So then, if that's a kind of love style that someone has, then would there necessarily be a stopping point for? that friendship to be like, okay, now that I've established this friendship, mm -hmm. I might want to be in a relationship with them. 
So All it really right. just kind of depends, I think. I know. I think that's a really, really good point. You have to kind of identify who the person is. And uh, unfortunately, you know, again, when you have a crush on someone or if there is a situation where there's unrequited love, um, you, you sort of get to a point where you're, well, you're just kind of st stuck in a situation where maybe someone just doesn't feel the same way and you need to get over it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think the danger there, uh, which is where I want to go to next, I think the danger there is that when somebody can't handle that rejection, it mm -hmm. turns into resentment and sometimes even more negative feelings. And so, um, that, that sort of leads to my next question, which is broadly, what are, what are the dangers that the construct of the friend zone presents maybe maybe at more of a societal level. So for example, like, is there overlap between people who identify as being friend zoned and for example, the incel community, which is, it, which incel for those who don't know, stands for involuntarily celibate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I do kind of wonder if the, when it comes to like more so the concept of the friend zone is born out of that community, because in a grander societal level, it assumes then that the purpose of being like the purpose of men, well, we'll say cis men, cause that's typically who's in the insult community. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Um, typically then if the purpose of pursuing or being nice to another, like to a woman essentially is for the purposes of either having sex with her or being in a relationship with her. Mm -hmm. Like if that's the whole like goal and if that doesn't happen, then there could be that negative repercussion because again if like if that is what you want and mm -hmm. you're not getting it of course you're going to be upset about it but why then turn it over onto you and be like oh wait well maybe it's me instead of it's blaming the other person okay. so then you know blaming upon like well there's something wrong with her because i am perfect right of course Everything of course of course yeah i held the door open for you why did you not compliment my biceps is is the <laughs> right your biceps are great james yeah, well, I haven't held I haven't held open any doors. All right, so, okay. Um, but as a friend, <laughs> right? Of course. And so, yeah. So th this is sort of the idea that I'm getting at, where um, this this community of angry, involuntarily celibate individuals um, are, are essentially simultaneously terrified by the idea of rejection and also desperate to form a human connection. And when you put those two beta fish in a tank, they're just going to have at it until the, the the inner id and super ego of a person is just absolutely destroyed. And so then you're only left with ego, which is not a good place to be because then that's somebody acting um, on their very most basic primal needs and uh, has absolutely no control whatsoever. So we don't want to be in that incel community, um, uh, not because it, there's, you know, it's, it's okay to be involuntarily celibate, but if you kind of join a group with the mentality that we, we are involuntarily celibate and it is the world's fault, that potentially leads to some negative situations. That's pretty much the rhetoric when it comes to that community. From what I've known, because um, I spent a lot of time on the internet, <laughs> so I know a lot of, a lot of things, um, that it, it very much is a kind of external locus of control, if you will. So mm -hmm. the blame is on other people, it's not upon me. Right. That it is society that's the problem, it's women that's the problem, it's you know this whole structure of relationships and whatever that's a problem, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the kind of hard part too when it comes to like the 
the friend zone, if you will, and also just kind of like how our society is built, because if our society is built in this heteronormative kind of like dominant gender norm thing where a man is a pursuer and the woman is the gatekeeper and they kind of say yes or no, but if they're constantly being, if also the assumption to or the, um, the expectation that women are supposed to be with me sort of thing, like in a bigger kind of cult, uh, critical sort of thinking, um, by not getting that would be that danger of, right. you know, the potential repercussions of <laughs> those who reject, reject. <laughs> right. I don't even necessarily say reject. I got a friend out of it. You didn't reject me. I have a friend now. If, if only we could kind of convince people that that's a nice way to look at it, right? It reminds me of there's a show called Big Mouth, and I know you're familiar with it. Um, uh-huh. And uh, at one point, one of the characters, uh, you know, asks another one to marry him. And she, and she says, I, I think of you as more of a friend. And he goes, he goes, so you're putting me in the friend zone? I can't believe it. That's like the number one zone. And so that's. I wish wow. more people could think I of it that Coach way. I Steve just here right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so on that note, right, on that note of like, hey, maybe this can kind of get flipped on its head and, and turn into something positive, talk to me about some of the silver linings of being in a friend zone. Like, what benefits do we get from having a relationship in which perhaps we may have feelings for another person or in the past we had feelings and it's just it just wasn't reciprocated? What benefits can we gain from existing in that sort of space? Gosh, a ton. Honestly, like, first of all, you have a friend. Great. We love friends. Secondly, you have somebody. So it's like, you know, this whole conversation, especially when it comes to like the bigger cultural narratives around relationships, it seems to be about this sort of exchange. Like, what can you give me? What can I get from you? Mm -hmm. Sort of thing. We like to not think about it that way. But I mean, that's just how we do things. Mm -hmm. So then if I think about it in that way, if you have someone who is like, hey, I'm not really interested in you, great, but now you have someone on the inside where it's like, I'm interested in pursuing this other person, how do I talk to them? Like, I want to date this other person, you know, you are a member of this other um, gender or whatever, what can I do? Can you help me out with this? And because you guys are friends, more likely that it'll be like, oh yeah, I'll totally help you out on your first date. Oh, don't say this, oh, ask her about this, oh, talk about this. Right. That silver lining of like, you have someone on the inside as to the kind of people that you want to date because obviously you were into them mm-hmm. and they just weren't into you, but now you have a resource that's just like, I'm going to ask them all these questions to kind of help you right. in the future. We talked about uh, we talked about this with Dr. Weger last week, this idea of uh, cross-sex, hetero, platonic friendships as being a tool in your tool belt to help you be a more, I mean, I hate to talk about it so robotically, but to be a more <laughs> effective dater or mater or, you know, a relationship pursuer, you have somebody who understands the culture surrounding the, the, the type of person that you're looking for, right? If, if you have a crush on someone, it means that they are a certain level of attractiveness or possess a certain amount of qualities that you enjoy, that you find appealing. And so therefore, not only can they potentially introduce you to similar individuals, but they can also, if they're a good friend, um, help you to get yourself, you know, maybe cleaned up and 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 looking at the looking like the best version of yourself and acting like the best version of yourself, so that when the next person comes around, um, you, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, exit that friend zone and get into uh, some other sort of zone that uh, might not be appropriate for the airwaves to say, but. <laughs> 
Well, we'll leave it there. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, again, I, I honestly think it's like when it comes to like cross-sex friendships, that's a really interesting kind of idea too because there's a lot when it comes to like, is that even possible? Like I'm mm. sure that was like talked about. It's like, yeah. is it even possible that men and women, hetero men and women can be just friends? Yeah, totally. You could just be friends if you eliminate this idea of like, I must have sex with this person. Mm-hmm. Like obviously that is a kind of, that is one of the challenges of those kind of relationships. Um, but yeah, it, it's honestly like, I have now this person who I can talk to and especially to like, um, I think when it comes to these kind of friendships, you can talk about different topics that you probably wouldn't with a same sex friend. Mm-hmm. So if you have someone in the friend zone, for instance, in the friend zone or whatever, um, if you have somebody who you trusted enough that you liked them a lot you might be able to like talk to them about other things that you wouldn't talk about with your, you know, dude friends or your chick friends or something. Mm-hmm. That's like, I want to ask you something specific about, you know, my feelings, or I want to ask you something specific about, you know, like some adventures I might want to get into in relationships. So right. I think it might, it allows for a deepness of conversation that you might not necessarily get mm-hmm. if you are, again, this is purely hetero we haven't even touched oh, what it yeah. looks like in a queer community. I think that uh, we're going to have to have context. a whole a whole series of episodes because most of what we talk about on this show is extremely heteronormative. Um, and it's just because we don't have the time to unpack everything. Yeah. And also, that's not my area of expertise, and I wouldn't want to do it a disservice. But I think you're right. I think that at some point we're going to need to have like a series of, of, of non-cis, non-hetero like, additions, and we may have to have you back for that. <laughs> <laughs> and also non-monogamous because oh, my yeah. area is in uh, is a non-monogamy so mm-hmm. a lot of the conversations like okay there's the the expectation of being with this other person and mm-hmm. the friends and whatever um what if you change it <clears throat> excuse me to a polyamorous relationship then right like or a non-monogamous kind of context because again like if the idea is I must find a mate and this person rejected me or this person, you know, put me in a different kind of relationship. Therefore, I must go and seek someone else to be a mate. What if that pressure to find that one single mate doesn't exist? Right. What if then that, hey, I, we are friends. Great. We're friends. Um, I still have this other partner that we're totally cool with. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of wonder then what this friend zone context would look like in both um, non-hetero, but also just non-monogamous, because I'm like, I don't know, I'm trying to theorize if that would actually be such a huge problem. I don't think it would be. I think it would, I think it would solve a lot of the problems. <laughs> um, I'll say two final things, because we only have a moment here uh, before we're done, but the, the two things that I'll say is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little harsh. If you find yourself, if you're listening to this show and you find yourself in the friend zone, I want you to consider two things. And the first thing that I want you to consider is um, if you are pining for somebody or you have a crush on somebody and they don't like you back and you start to resent that person because they don't like you back, I want you to ask yourself how much of a friend you think you really are to them if the only way that you can see yourself spending time with this person is if they're willing to allow you to be with them either romantically or sexually. And if you don't value them platonically, then it may be time to end the friendship. 
because that's disrespectful to the other person and of course to you and your time. And then the second thing I'll say is if you find yourself at the base of rejection time and time again, or even worse, if you don't even find yourself in a position to be rejected and you look around and you don't see folks that are potential uh, partners or mates for you, I think it may be time to look in the mirror and figure out what it is about yourself that you would like to improve. We've talked about this multiple times on this show, the importance of self-love, the importance of doing things for yourself, getting right with yourself, and then readjusting as you approach the world. So that, that's my piece. And I totally agree with that. Um, you know, if, if you have so many rejections or so many like um, things not going your way, well, there's a one common data point as to why that all happens. <laughs> So that might be the place where you look. <laughs> Very Some true. Some people might not seem to think that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've had to look myself in the mirror multiple times and ask myself, what's going on? Am I doing all right? And I think that embracing rejection is a very important part of life. You have to lose before you win. This is true in sports and it can be true in relationships as well. Mm-hmm. 100%. All right. Well, that's just about all the time we've got for today. I want to thank our guest, Lucy, for joining us. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm looking really forward to hearing about your dissertation. Yay! I'll be happy to share. <laughs> okay. Well, next time we are going to be on with another ASU product. We're going to be talking about toxic relationships, which is sort of the other end of the spectrum. I'm really looking forward to it. So you're going to want to tune in for that one as well. But until then, take care, everybody. You've been listening to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. If you'd like to be on the show or have questions for us, please send us an email to redrockrelationships at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search Red Rock Relationships. Thank you again. And remember, it all begins with good communication. This has been a production from a podcast studio.